Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Ticats quarterback Dane Evans reflects on being a new dad. Plaid for Dad is raising awareness and money for prostate cancer. The planets will be aligned literally this month. We're cheering on the Memorial Cup-bound Hamilton Bulldogs. A Hamilton Fin Cups Memorial Cup champ joins us. And racing fans are revved up for the return of the Canadian Grand Prix. The GMH Podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton Podcast on 900 CHML. The Tiger Cats will play their home opener tomorrow night against the Calgary Stampeders. Pre-game show here on CHML will begin at 5.30, kickoff 6.30. Note the different start time. It's the Hall of Fame game tomorrow. Uh, CHML's fifth quarter will start 30 minutes after the end of the game. And I visited Tim Hortons Field yesterday as they were making preparations for this game and had a chance to speak with quarterback Dane Evans. And we chatted about some exciting news earlier this week in the Evans household. Yeah, we had our our baby girl. She was finally born. Um, We named her Ivy. We had her on Tuesday and uh, I couldn't be more happy, man. Nikki did an amazing job. Like I've never obviously seen a childbirth or anything, but it's just, it's incredible, man. It really was. The whole day was amazing on Monday. Um, it was it was a long labor, but it was a great labor. Um, and now she's finally here, and we're just so happy. So you're in the room at this time. How does this compare to being in the huddle on the field and doing all that stuff? Oh, that was way more intense, man. Like that, the last I was telling the guys, and a lot of them are dads and stuff, you know. And uh, I was telling like the last 10, 15 minutes was that was real. Like it was super intense, but like in the most positive way it could be, you know. So um, just super happy and excited and like i can't say how good of a job nikki did it was it was insane tycats fans will be wondering height and weight do you have any particulars <laughs> well right up, right off the bat she was seven nine I, I don't even know what her height was i think they measure i have no clue but uh i'm pushing for either volleyball or golf you know i would like to be her caddy for the rest of her <laughs> life so but uh nikki's pushing for volleyball because it's indoor is what she keeps saying so you don't have to worry about weather so. no, no, no elements <laughs> yeah. uh ivy does that have any significance or any special meaning no we just we just liked um we liked the name we had a couple that we were between and we didn't make our mind up till we saw her and we just saw her and just felt like she looked like an ivy you know so we we picked that one yeah has this been weighing on you yeah a little bit just not in a negative way but just like a lot's been going on right like free agency happened way back and we knew our due date was going to be close to the season and then found out it's going to be game one all that stuff camp and then the strike and finally getting to be the guy and also having a baby and um it's just it's been a lot i've been pulled a lot of different directions lately but now i'm so like happy that everyone's healthy which is the biggest thing um and now she's finally here and i can enjoy being a dad and like finding that balance i know it'll be like tough and there'll be mistakes that i make but uh, finding the balance of being a dad being there for Nikki as a husband and also leading a football team. So um, I'll figure out how to do it. I feel like I have a good idea, and I'm sure I'll talk to some of the guys around the league that have done it. Um, so, yeah, it'll be learning on the fly. There's a playbook, but there's some audibles for that as well, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, are you dedicating this game to her? Oh, I mean, I guess, but <laughs> not like anything crazy. Um, it'll, it'll be cool. I mean, she's so small. Like, I don't even – I wouldn't even be upset if Nikki didn't even watch, right? Like, she needs to get some <laughs> sleep, so – it would be okay with me if they didn't watch or anything, but uh, no, it'll be it'll be special. It'll be a special one for sure. And then 
Sunday, you know, being Father's Day, like everyone was like, man, you timed that just right. So that, that'll be a special day, too. Yeah, perfect timing. Father's Day on Sunday. Dane Evans is a new dad. And I also talked to Dane about a new program that he's helped launch called Play It Forward. Dane is of Wichita descent, and Indigenous issues are really near and dear to his heart. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm so glad and like happy that that's finally something that came to fruition i've always wanted to do something like this um, i've had some ideas in the past um, and everything that's been going on the last couple of years in the indigenous community and just being able to like have kids come to something positive um, something hopefully they can remember for the rest of their life or, or even just something that gets them away from having one bad day you know what i mean like just something to give them positive hope um, and that they can talk about and just something they can remember forever. And I, I, I'm not like pushing to like make these kids athletes or anything. I just want them to have a good time and like see that, you know, this this is possible. So for many of them, it'll be their first football game ever. Do you remember your first football game watching it? Um, well, I believe my first football game was when I, my dad's been a coach my whole life. So I think I was quite young. But the first one that I can like distinctly remember was like in fourth grade. I was the ball boy always and it was a playoff game in Texas and uh, I got to be the ball boy like in the playoffs so I thought that was like I thought I had made it then you know I thought it, it was like it was big time so I remember that game distinctly that's the first one that I can remember like other than the ones I played in just like going to a game not playing like just I was just the ball boy so I can remember that one distinctly. I want to ask you about Saturday's game. You got the stamps. It's a Hall of Fame game. You want to get back on the horse, pardon the pun, after mm -hmm. last week. Just some thoughts on facing them. Yeah, no, they're a great team. It's going to be a good challenge. I, I always love playing Calgary. Um, they Just for the fact they play hard. Like, that they, they don't – nobody takes plays off or anything, you know what I mean? So um, it's going to be a great game. Um, I love getting to play against Bo. I know we're not on the same field at the same time or anything like that, but I, I really look up to him. I think he's a guy that's done it the right way, you know. <laughs> Wow. Um, yeah, I think he's a guy that's done it the right way. Um, also, him being from Texas, I'm from Texas, kind of like, kind of got a little bit of respect from him there. Um, and yeah, I think they have a solid defense, man. So it'll be a great challenge. And I wouldn't want it any other way to come back from, you know, what we did last week. Well, congratulations and good luck. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks again to Dane Evans. Yeah, the Play It Forward program. Uh, Leuna also involved, partnering with the Tiger Cats to provide 20 tickets for Indigenous youth to attend each of Hamilton's nine home games, including tomorrow's home opener. And that also includes sideline access before the game during warm-ups. That's going to be a great experience for a lot of those who are going out. Uh, Play It Forward is uh, Play It Forward Day, that is, is July the 5th, where 100 Indigenous youth will be at Tim Hortons Field with a day of fun activities planned for all of them. So a very uh, great program that the Ticats and Leuna have launched in association with Dane Evans to get some Indigenous youth exposed to football and the great game that it provides. Don't forget, Ticats stamps tomorrow night on CHML. The pregame is at 5.30. Kickoff is at 6.30. It's the Hall of Fame game with um, a, a few Hamilton Tiger Cats going to be inducted as well, including a current head coach, president of football operations, Orlando Steinauer, 30 minutes after the final whistle, we'll bring you the fifth quarter right here on 900 CHML. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. We know that Father's Day is this Sunday, an exciting time for dads around the world. It's an exciting day as well for the Canadian Cancer Society because today 
is Plaid for Dad Day. Yeah, thousands of Canadians are raising awareness and much-needed funding for prostate cancer. Robin Spear is a pa- Plaid for Dad ambassador and uh, with the Canadian Cancer Society. And joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Robin, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Great. How are you? Not too bad. How much plaid clothing do you have? Uh, the whole closet's full. Just, uh, yeah, every, <laughs> everything in my house is plaid after eight years of this uh, Plaid for Dad campaign that we've been running. Wow. So do you, like, rotate every year? Do you just put it all on at once? Uh, you know what? Sometimes clashing's the great way to go. You know, you got to <laughs> put a plaid shirt that doesn't match a plaid suit and doesn't match a plaid tie. But uh, sometimes, uh, you know, more more civil, uh, you know, just, just even a... A casual plaid shirt on a twist for Casual Friday today, uh, the Friday before Father's Day. That's awesome. What What is Plaid for Dad all about? Plaid for Dad is a great growing campaign across Canada where we're encouraging workplaces and individuals to wear plaid um, the Friday before Father's Day, so today. So I'd encourage all listeners to uh, don your, your best plaid outfit today uh, in celebration of Dad and all of the men we love. And what that's for is to raise awareness and funds in support of the one in eight Canadian men who will be diagnosed with prostate cancer in their lifetimes. So it's a fun, easy, accessible workplace campaign or for individuals, family and friends to wear some plaid um, and raise awareness about that because unfortunately uh, men often don't like to talk about their health, uh, especially below the belt, don't like to go to the doctor for their regular checkups. But when detected early today in Canada, prostate cancer is nearly 100% survivable. Um, Unfortunately, thousands of Canadian men will still uh, be diagnosed and and die this year because of it. Um, But there's no reason for that. So this this platform ad is just to help drive conversations uh, and then raise funds to, uh, you know, drive research to continue to improve outcomes in diagnosis uh, and treatment. Yeah, this is really a conversation starter because, as you mentioned, guys really don't talk about this stuff. You know, you know how you feeling, what's going on, you know, or is everything okay? Like, it's not part of the conversation, but when you see someone wearing a bunch of plaid or even a plaid clothing and you realize, hey, it's plaid for dad, you see the, the hashtag plaid for dad trending on Twitter or other social media platforms, the mind starts going and you start asking questions and having those conversations. That's what it's all about. Yeah, that's that's absolutely what it's been about. Um, you know, women have done a great job with with breast cancer and other cancers over the years, and uh, and men, uh, you know, have to catch up to that. And and we are, you know, and those outcomes are improving across the board. Um, but we need to continue to have those uh, those conversations. You know, even with diagnosis today, there's a simple PSA tests, simple blood tests. Uh, you know, treatments are improving across the board as well. Um, so this is all really good news, and, and, and the research that the Canadian Cancer Society funds, um, you know, the best research across Canada, a, a lot of those world-leading, um, you know, studies and, and, and trials are, are improving those outcomes even further. So, you know, that's, that's what it's about. It's about that component, but this is really just a fun, easy way for folks to wear plaid, talk about that, get your regular your checkups, talk to your doctor, you know, if you've got a history of prostate cancer in your family, you want to have those conversations a little bit earlier, but... Yeah, man, let's let's talk about our health and let's uh, let's uh, nail this thing. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Robin Spear, Plaid for Dad ambassador with the Canadian Cancer Society as that uh, organization raises awareness and funds for prostate cancer. Being an ambassador, I am going to presume that you have an experience with prostate cancer. Well, you know, it is the most common cancer diagnosed in Canadian men, one in eight. Um, so I got involved from the beginning in, in 2015. Um, but you know, I'm probably like uh, like any man. I've I've had uh, friends and family and colleagues that have uh, have battled it. 
um, you know, seeing those those great positive outcomes occur as well. But you've seen uh, some uh, some older friends who've been diagnosed late and unfortunately haven't had that uh, that great outcome. But that's all about the checkups, you know. And I think coming out of two years of the pandemic, uh, this is more important now than ever. Uh, because if men were struggling to talk to their doctor um, before then, you know, the last last couple of years, it's been been even even more difficult. So, yeah, put on plaid today. Um, take photos of yourself today, your workplace, uh, just just yourself. Post them at the hashtag plaid for dad, as you said, Rick. And let's let's keep these conversations uh, going through the uh, Father's Day weekend, celebrating dads and uh, and all of the men that we love. At what age should we start to really get things checked out? And uh, are there warning signs that uh, will ultimately force us to go to the doctor? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, and I think the consensus is, uh, you know, everybody's different, certainly, right? So you've you've got your own uh, medical history, um, and, and that's why you need to have those conversations with your physician. Um, consensus is probably around the age of fifty. Uh, men want to have a regular prostate checkup. If you are black, or if you have a history of it in your family, you want to do that a little bit earlier, probably around age forty-five. Um, but again, you know, everyone is uh, is unique and individual. Talk to your doctor. Um, you know, there's there's certainly uh, certainly risk factors. But again, those uh, even those diagnoses are improving with uh, with the PSA test, simple blood test. Uh, you know, make that a part of your your regular uh, routine uh, as well. What's the money used for? Obviously, there's going to be a lot of uh, cash that's raised uh, through initiatives like this. Is it does it all go to research? Does it go to treatment options? How is that dispersed? Yeah, we've raised about $3 million so far in the first eight years of the campaign, uh, you know, and that's growing every year. We're, we're seeing hundreds and even thousands of workplaces and, and individuals across Canada taking part every year. Uh, so that's great news. Those dollars all go to uh, improving the outcomes uh, for prostate cancer. So they go to the best research across Canada in uh, improving diagnosis. How do we make that even easier and simpler? You know, maybe some men uh, don't want to talk about it because they're they're concerned about that um, simple stage one. If you can make that easier and accessible, um, we'll be able to detect it a lot earlier in in many men. Uh, working on on new drugs and tr- clinical trials uh, for personalized medicine too. You know, depending on uh, the situation of the individual, those those drugs are all improving and support uh, for those dealing with it and and uh, ensuring that there's a quality of life and survivability uh, after the fact. So. Those are improving across the board, and yeah, all the dollars raised at platfordad.ca. We encourage people to go to uh, our site there, platfordad.ca. You can register, you can donate, you can take part. And uh, there's some information on there about, about prostate cancer and, in fact, where a lot of those dollars go to uh, to continue to uh, turn this story into a, a good news story. Plaid for Dad, it's a great initiative. Use the hashtag today, hashtag Plaid for Dad. Go online to plaidfordad.ca, make a donation, get uh, a Canadian Cancer Society gift card, a Father's Day e-card, plenty of ways for you to make an impact. Robin, appreciate your time today. Best of luck and happy Father's Day. Thanks so much for your help. Yeah, you too. Take care. That's Robin Spear, Plaid for Dad Ambassador with the Canadian Cancer Society. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. We are in for a real treat later on this month because kind of one, two, three, four, five planets are going to line up in order. And it's what a University of Guelph physicist calls a delightful rarity. That physicist is our next guest on GMH. His name is Orbax, and he's a lecturer in the Department of Physics in the College of Engineering and Physical Sciences at the University of Guelph. Orbax, welcome to the show. How are you? 
I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. So this is a a delightful rarity, as you say, as Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn are all lined up in, in a row. What's going on? Yeah, I mean, the last time that this happened was 18 years ago, and it's actually not going to happen for another 18 years. So if you were lucky enough to see it in 2004, you might have an opportunity to see it between June 19th and 27th. But if you don't get a chance, it won't be 2040 until you get to see it again. This is a what is called a planetary alignment. Is that right? Yeah, it's basically you'll you'll be able to look up in the sky and see um, the planets all lined up in a row. Now, this this in itself isn't that unique. Typically, you can see one, two, maybe three planets all along a straight line. Mm. That's just based on the idea of how we rotate around the sun. Um, but to actually have five of them visible to the unaided eye and have them in their order from their their orbits from the sun is really a fun and unique kind of thing to get a chance to see. So how does this happen? <laughs> well, that's that's the question. <laughs> I mean, our our orbits around. So uh, the the quick version of it is that uh, the Earth rotates around the sun mm-hmm. and it basically traces out a big plane like a disc that we sort of loop around the sun in, and all the other planets all loop around in basically that same disk, um, which means that when we see the planets in the sky, they all sort of trace out a line and they all fall generally around the same place in the sky along the same line that we call the ecliptic. But the orbits of these planets don't always coincide with each other. Depending on the time of year, depending on the season, depending on the lighting, uh, if it's daytime or nighttime, whether we can see them or not, um, we, we we don't often get this opportunity. So all of the, you can literally say that the planets have aligned at this once in an 18 year opportunity <laughs> for us to see all five of them in a row. Might be a good day to play the lottery, I guess. Yeah, actually. And on the 23rd, which is the one specific day where there's something even extra unique happening, is that the waning crescent moon actually joins that lineup. So if you get up early in the morning, about an hour before dawn, you're going to be able to see the moon in that lineup as well. Wow. Uh, Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Orbax. He's a lecturer in the Department of Physics in the College of Engineering and Physical Sciences at the University of Guelph. And we're talking about the alignment or the lining up of Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn all in a row for the naked eye to see. Can we say that? Yep. You can, uh, if you have a pair of binoculars, you might even be able to to be able to see uh, a couple other planets as well in this alignment. But with just the unaided eye, you're going to be able to see all five of those. Now, people often ask, how can I tell what I'm looking at is a planet or it's a star? Yeah. And there's a simple rule of thumb that you can kind of follow with that one. Um, when you look in the sky, stars typically twinkle, but planets don't. So when we see the planets, they'll just be a single bright light up in the sky. Is is there an app or a map or something that we can refer oh, yeah. to? I use a, a an app called Skyview, which is fantastic. Uh, there's a free version available for both Android and for your iPhone. And it basically, you just hold it up and point it towards the sky, and it'll show you where the planets are, where the stars are, and the constellations in the sky. Wow, very cool. Um, is it okay if we remain in the city? I know lights, you know, traffic uh, lights, all that kind of stuff kind of hamper our view. Is it is it best if we kind of head out from the city well, and, and look upwards? This is, always, this is always the issue with any sort of stargazing. You know, weather, clouds, and light pollution are always your biggest enemies with this kind of thing. The problem is, is that this planetary alignment takes place very early in the morning. So about an hour before sunrise, you're looking at like 4.30 in the morning, maybe even 5 o'clock in the morning. So if you happen to be on the side of an abandoned road at 5 o'clock in the morning, 
I say go for it. But if you don't want, <laughs> want to make the trek out into the middle of nowhere, you should be able to see it. The key is is to get up before the sun starts to come up because the light from the sun will for sure obscure the planets. So this happens between June 19th, which is this Sunday, and June the 27th. And you, you mentioned, Ooh. you know, 4.35, 30 in the morning. How long does it last for? Is it when the sun comes up, it's it's over? Uh, the planets will still be aligned, but the light from the sun does obscure you them. You just won't see, see it. it. Yeah. yeah. And the best day is? The 23rd, on the morning of the 23rd, you're going to be able to catch that waning crescent moon in that five-star planetary lineup, or five-planet planetary lineup. <laughs> <laughs> uh, however way you want to say it, it's Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, and uh, the crescent moon will make an appearance in there as well. That's uh, pretty exciting stuff. Uh, Orbex, thanks for your time today. Great breakdown of what is happening and what we should expect, and I'm sure our listeners will get a big kick out of what they see in the sky in, uh, in a few days' time. Thanks for joining us today. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. So the dates, again, to remember this coming Sunday is when it all kind of begins as these five planets align in the sky and up to and including June the 27th. So basically for a good solid week, we're going to be able to see this. And uh, this alignment will be visible for about 30 minutes to an hour. And the best day, June 23rd, and it's the best day because not only do you have Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, all in a row. But the waning crescent moon, is what it's called, is going to cut a line between Venus and Mars. So, yeah, grab your binoculars. If you want to head out at 4.35 in the morning, I mean, it, it's kind of getting a little light out, around 5.30ish or so. Um, but you'll still be able to see these dots in the sky. And again, if you have binoculars or a telescope even, uh, you'll be treated to a spectacular show, I am sure. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. I knew I was due for one. The puck hasn't been bounced my way all series, so it feels good to have the puck bounce my way to and to have it in Game 7 and to win the series feels feels so good. That is Avery Hayes, his hat-trick goals, helping the Hamilton Bulldogs win the OHL Championship earlier this week as they dispatched the Windsor Spitfires in a thrilling seven-game series, 6-1 the final, in front of a record crowd at First Ontario Centre. And now the Bulldogs are heading to the Memorial Cup starting next week in St. John, New Brunswick. The excitement is palpable, and it should be a thrilling series with the Dogs kicking it off against the host St. John Sea Dogs on Monday night. Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Joining us now to break down what may or may not happen next week is Reed Duffy, the play-by-play announcer of the Hamilton Bulldogs. Reed, good morning. Good morning, Rick. What a uh, what a run this has been, and it's not over yet. So, are you still on cloud nine? Oh yeah, yeah. Ever since um, that clock ticked down to zero, uh, it, it's been unbelievable. Uh, the, the whole experience. You look back at it, and I talked to a few people about it. We started this journey in August, and it's been about ten months. And to cap it off the way that we did is just something incredibly special through all the challenges and everything that's gone on this season. This is an incredible group, an incredible team, and they earned every bit of it. Game 7 was just awesome. I mean, Windsor played, I thought, a pretty good first period, even though they were down early one to nothing. They played a good road 
uh, first couple of periods, really. The third, you know, kind of got away from them. But, you know, my takeaways were fantastic performance by the Bulldogs, the record-breaking crowd at First Ontario Centre, and ultimately, I thought the best team won the OHL championship. What, what are some of your takeaways from that Game 7? For me, I, I think you nailed a bunch of them, Rick. But for me, the, the, the change in the game was what the Bulldogs have done well all season long. And the Windsor Spitfires really relied on Will Cooley and Wyatt Johnston to run their offense. Through 40 minutes of play, the two of them had combined for one shot on goal. That shows what an incredible job Artem Grushnikov, Arbor Jacki, Nathan Stales, and Gavin White, specifically the top four defense for the Bulldogs, did on those two stars for the Windsor Spitfires. Once you got past that first line for Windsor, the Bulldogs' depth outplayed Windsor's depth. The second and third lines, the Bulldogs did a much better job executing. They did what they weren't able to do in Game 6, and that was get some goals on the board in big moments, and it really changed the game. It was that Avery Hayes tip off the Arbor Jackeye point shot that gave the Bulldogs the momentum, the penalty kill, and then into the third they just took over. I, I, I think uh, the Bulldogs had more in their legs than Windsor did. I think that was helped by the crowd. And in a couple of big moments, once again, Marco Costantini, every time the chips have been down, when the Bulldogs were down 2-1 in this series, he had two monster performances to get them up 3-2. Coming back home 3-3 for a game seven, he was a monster again. And anything that the Spitfires had that was in tight, he was smothering, he was getting whistles. He just looked so comfortable in that net. And the Bulldogs come away with the OHL championship. The uh, Memorial Cup kicks off Monday in St. John, New Brunswick. It's going to be the Bulldogs and the Sea Dogs on opening night on Monday. W- what do you expect to see? This one is, is really weird. Uh, we thought that it was uh, into the unknown with the Windsor Spitfires. This is really into the unknown. Uh, it's so hard to tell how you match up against two teams that you don't really even see much of their leagues on television in Ontario. You've got to kind of go out of your way, other than a few national games here and there, to see what it's like in the QMJHL and the WHL. I think the Bulldogs match up pretty well overall going into this Memorial Cup. We won't really know until we get there, but the St. John Sea Dogs have been off for a month. So can the Bulldogs catch them maybe while they're a little bit rusty coming back before they get their legs under them. They've got a new coaching staff. So even though we've seen a lot of video of St. John, we don't really know what kind of game plan they're going to employ now that they've got a completely different staff behind the bench. So what does that mean in total? I think Hamilton's got to come out and have a really good start. If they get a good start to this tournament, if they can get up with a, with a, uh, a win in the first game, they set themselves up really nice because then it's two days off before back-to-back games, and if you get that win, you're pretty much guaranteed you're at least going to have a tiebreaker spot. So that first game could be key. Yeah, we may not know who and how St. John and Edmonton and Shawinigan stack up against Hamilton. We do know this. It's going to be tremendously exciting. And Reed Duffy will have your call as the Hamilton Bulldogs get sets to play in the Memorial Cup. Reed, we got to go. Thanks for your time today. All the best next week in St. John. Thanks, Rick. Always a pleasure. Looking forward to covering a Memorial Cup. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. This group is so special. It was special in 18. It's special in 22. The adversity that this team 
head face. You know, we're off for so long in COVID, and we come back, I have to deal with a, you know, a multitude of injuries, and this team just continued to persevere. Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. That's the voice of Hamilton Bulldogs president and general manager Steve Steos after the Bulldogs won the OHL championship earlier this week and booked their ticket to the Memorial Cup in St. John, New Brunswick, which will begin Monday as the Dogs take on the host Sea Dogs. And as we get ready to cheer on the Bulldogs at the Memorial Cup next week, we are taking another stroll down memory lane with a key member of the last Memorial Cup championship team here in Hamilton, the 1976 Hamilton Fin Cups. Yesterday we chatted with Dale McCourt. Today, the star goaltender of that team, Mark Locken. Mark, good morning. Welcome to the show. How are you? Good morning, Rick. Thanks for having me. It's like old homecoming here, coming back to CHML after all these years. It's been uh, great messaging with you back and forth, and it's awesome to have you back on the air. It's been 46 years since a hockey team from Hamilton hoisted the Memorial Cup. We had the 76 Fin Cups, the only other team to do it, the 62 Hamilton Red Wings. This is a hard trophy to win. It is, right? From what I'm told, it's the the toughest one in hockey. (laughs) Absolutely. I had a message from a listener named Jack who emailed me. He was 27 years of age in 1976, and he said, you have to ask Mark about going to Charlie Chan's after the games in St. Catharines, and do you remember Bubbles? <laughs> Everybody remembers Bubbles. He, he was such a, such a wonderful human being. Um, yeah, I do. Re- I do remember a couple trips to Charlie Chan's. <laughs> <laughs> so was that only after you won the game, or was that a regular thing? Uh, no, <laughs> for me it wasn't as regular as some of the other guys. But no, it was. It was. Uh... It was more of a victory celebration, I think, than anything else. Nice. Jack also says that a lot of fans bought air horns from Canadian Tire back in the day, and they really <laughs> blasted them during the games. Talk about the fans in '76. Oh, it was it was it was uh, it was awesome. You know, the, the Hamilton Forum wasn't a very large arena, so it could get pretty noisy in there. And uh, they were <clears throat> they were a great bunch of people. Uh, we had. Uh, we always we always felt we had a, a great advantage when we had those fans behind us. It was it was amazing. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Mark Locken, former goaltender with the Hamilton Fin Cups, who won the 1976 Memorial Cup. What do you best remember about the guys on that team? Oh, it was it was. <laughs> there's so many so many good memories, but the it was you know of all the hockey I played, it was probably the most. Uh, cohesive group of, of uh, characters you've ever seen like you know from from the superstar of, of dale mccourt down to the to the the weakest players we played as a team we, we you know we won and lost as a team and, and uh i think when we got to the memorial cup uh it was just another day at work we were the the tough guys from hamilton going in with our hard hats on and uh putting in a hard day of work it was uh I said the, the cohesiveness of that team was amazing. Yeah, there was a lot of great players on the team. I mean, it was it was you, Al Jensen and Nett as well, Dale McCourt you mentioned, uh, Joe yeah. Contini, Mike Keating, uh, Mike Federko, Ted Long, uh, Willie Huber. A lot of these guys really, oh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, put Hamilton on the map again with this 76 Finn Cup team. A lot of talent. There was, and, and uh, with all that talent, yet uh, they all went out and played as a team. Nobody took stupid penalties. Uh, Bert Templeton was quite, you know, not not just a strategist, but uh, quite a disciplinarian too. So he didn't go out and uh, do anything he he didn't tell you to do, and uh, he told us to go out and play against the New Westminster Bruins. He said nobody drops the gloves, and nobody did, <laughs> uh, which was totally unusual for our team. But uh, 
they followed him to a tee, and uh, and it was successful. That's pretty cool. The final or the tournament, the Memorial Cup itself, was played at the old Montreal Forum. What was it like to play on that ice surface? That you know, you felt like you were going into a cathedral of hockey. You know, and we were there right at the same time as the uh, Philadelphia Flyers and the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, I, I remember Al Jensen and I were up in the stands. We were watching the uh, New Westminster Bruins practice, and uh, along comes. Uh, a couple of the uh, Montreal Canadiens and uh, <clears throat> sorry, my throat's going here, but uh, we we were just awestruck by the whole by the whole uh, the the whole event. Yeah, I mean, yeah. How can you not be? You go from oh, yeah. you go from the, the 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 Hamilton Forum to the Montreal Forum, <laughs> yeah. which is you know like the the Vatican larger. City of the NHL. Yeah. Oh, it was. Oh, it was. That's for sure. Larry, uh, we, we were we were up in the stands and we were trying to figure out how to get down, and uh, <clears throat> Larry Robinson came along and. Picked me up and, and just sort of lifted me up over the over the rail and put me down. <laughs> then grabbed Al and put him up and picked him up and put him over too. We were we were a little smaller back then. <laughs> That's hilarious. In in the final, you guys beat New Westminster five two. And I didn't know this, and I mentioned it to to Dale McCourt yesterday that Joe Contini had a natural hat trick in seventy two seconds. And Dale said he didn't remember that. He was so focused I, I, on the game. Oh, I don't either. <laughs> That's, that's hilarious, I, that's, and that's something. Joe was, you know, he he was the epitome of of what our team was was like. We were, uh, like I said, we went out there and we just worked hard and and did what uh, Bert Templeton told us told us. But uh, yeah, he he, <laughs> I said he he just he worked his butt off every time he got on the ice, and, uh, and he just, that's how he he performed. Mark Lockin is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, former goaltender with the 1976 Memorial Cup winning Hamilton Fin Cups. What do you remember about the celebration, not only after the game, but coming back to Hamilton and celebrating with the city? Oh, it was, it was, <laughs> it, it's, it's almost a blur because there was just so much going on. It was, it was you know, it was awesome. You know, it was, you know my home area, I, I've, I come from Burlington, but, uh, you know, I, I played hockey and worked in Hamilton, and it was just, uh, like I said, it, it was it was a blur. And uh, you know, we were sort of we, we were there, and then we were rushed off. We we all uh, unanimously chose to go to the Bahamas rather than uh, get upgraded rings. So the Bahamas kind of come back is quite the memory too. <laughs> <laughs> what would your advice be to the Hamilton Bulldogs who are going into this tournament? All eyes are on them and the other teams that are there. What advice do you have for them? play as a team you know the, the whole thing the, they're there under a little bit different circumstances than us i think they were they're 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 not seen as the underdog we were but uh i think the you know everybody that goes there has to go in and, and play as a team you know like i don't know what dale said but uh from, from dale mccord on down we were we were there as a team and we, you know win and lose as a team and uh if you you go out there and you you sacrifice you know you don't take stupid penalties and uh just work together you're going to be successful and yeah. do what you do what you did to get you there. Dale echoed those comments to a T. It was a, a total team effort, no matter if you were a superstar or a fourth liner or a sixth defenseman, a starter or backup goalie. It was all in, yeah. and uh, with Burt leading the way, you guys achieved uh, the ultimate in uh, major junior hockey in this country. Mark, thanks for uh, going down memory lane with us. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of the day and enjoy the tournament as well. Thank you, Rick. I certainly will. And go Bulldogs, go. You got it. Mark Lockin, former goaltender with the Hamilton Fin Cups. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. No highways needed this weekend in Montreal. No, they got a racetrack to figure it out. Because after a two-year hiatus, Formula One returns to Montreal this weekend 
for the Canadian Grand Prix. Eric Thomas is the host of Raceline Radio, which you can hear Sundays at 8 p.m. right here on 900 CHML and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. E.T., good morning. Good morning to you, sir. Nice to be on with you, Rick. It's, uh, it's an exciting time. The, uh, the city of Montreal has been without the Grand Prix for two years, and they are just champing at the bit to get this one going. And it's, uh, you can tell because if, you've been tr- if you are trying to book a hotel room, even the most moderate hotels in Montreal are charging up between five and $600 a night Oof. for the accommodation. You can't get a reservation in any of the good restaurants for love or money. And, uh, you know, when, it, when, it, when one of your biggest sporting events is gone for the last two years, they're very, very anxious to get it gone. And, and, and that's to be expected. So the party will continue, and they're, and they're very hot to get that thing going. The only, the only thing that may rain on the parade is, we just sort of mentioned it there, there is the chance of rain today there in Montreal at Circuit uh, Villeneuve on the, on the Montreal waterfront. Circuit Villeneuve, as it's called. And even rain tomorrow, but not, you know, maybe partly cloudy or partly sunny for Sunday. But if it's going to be wet, that is going to, you know, play havoc with the practice today and the qualifying tomorrow. But uh, you can't do much about the weather. And, of course, the rain will go, or sorry, the race will go rain or shine. So it, uh, the weather affects it from the standpoint of, of time and speed and comfort for the fans. But even if it's raining, they'll run this thing. But it's just, it's, it's terrific to have this race back after being dark for two years because of COVID. Canadian Grand Prix, one of the biggest events in Canada. I didn't realize it's one of the most watched events in the world yeah, it can be. Yeah, the TV ratings for this are, are really good. What what it is, is that it's a race in North America. And, of course, you know that the Formula One has been adding a lot more races uh, in North America. There's the race in Austin, Texas, and then the added one in Miami uh, for this year. Next year, they're going to add one down the strip in Las Vegas at night, which is going to be amazing. But the one thing about Montreal that's good, and they've missed it the last two years, is the fact that you're coming to North America, you're coming to Canada, but because of the, of the language, you know, with French and English, there's there's a very European international feel to it that the teams really really like and and that's well earned and Montreal has made sure that it it has that flavor to it so it's a it's a, a kind of a narrow street uh, course but the fans are totally into it the fans are unlike some of those big places they run in in Europe and especially in the Middle East and even in the far, in the Far East there are places, Rick, where the fans are right up against the fence when the cars are going by just by virtue of the design of the track, and it resembles sometimes more of a hockey crowd than it does a, a racing crowd, and, and the drivers can see the fans if they're in the stands and, and they're being boisterous and whatever. They can even hear them every once in a while, so it's a, it's a very challenging place, but it's, a, it's an international flavor place that they don't get at any of the other races in the continental U.S., and that's one of the reasons why it's one of the most watched around the world, because it's very picturesque. It's nice to look at on TV. It was very, very challenging, and that's one of the reasons why it's so popular. Previewing the Canadian Grand Prix this weekend in Montreal on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML with Eric Thomas, the host of Raceline Radio, heard here on Sundays at uh, 8 p.m. on 900 CHML. Uh, let's talk about the guys who are going to be on the track, one of which is the reigning F1 champ, Max Verstappen, and his, uh, he and his Red, Bud- Red Bull car seem to be poised for a repeat. Is he the hands-down favorite to take the title? Well, I, I would suppose that he is, although if you've been following this 
one of the the oddities this year is because of the new rules aerodynamically and i you know i could take an hour to explain this to you but they changed the regulations on how the cars generate downforces the reverse of an airplane wing you want to push the car down to the racetrack which allows them to corner as fast as as they do they have changed those rules so most of that downforce has to be generated by the underside or the under tray of the car this set up new aero rules and the one team that got it perfect almost perfectly was the Red Bull team. The other teams, especially Lewis Hamilton, who expected to come out of the gate just storming for a championship this year to make it eight to break the record, gave him a car that didn't work, came out with a radical design. And the fact of the matter is they're into this phenomenon now called porpoising, which is a, an oscillation a nose-to-tail, kind of mimicking a porpoise as it breaches the surface of the water, arcs through the air, then goes back into the water as it's swimming at speed. It's this oscillation that is extremely tough on drivers. Mercedes is getting pounded with it. They're pulling something like five or six G uh, jarrings up through the driver's spine. And you saw Lewis Hamilton, the last race in Azerbaijan, in terrible pain trying to get out of that car. Can't punish uh, your drivers like that. So F1 has come up with a rewrite of a rule midseason, which is never a good idea. However, they're going to limit the amount of ride height. What you do is lower the car either up or down closer to the racetrack to try and counter that porpoising or that oscillation, Rick. So what that does basically is the one team that got it figured out and got it right, Red Bull, this rule will technically, and it'll be in place for the race in Montreal on Sunday, it could technically slow them down while allowing the teams in the back who are suffering from the porpoising to get up closer to Red Bull and even Ferrari to a lesser extent. So you may say, is he got the championship? Yeah, probably does. Again, they got an 80-point leading instructors, but the points lead is only 21, and that's over his teammate, uh, Sergio Perez. It looks pretty good right now, but if they're going to be changing the rules and going to different places, man, it's, it's not going to be a done deal. He certainly looks like he's the favorite to do it, but there's all kinds of things standing in his way of doing that, I think. And, and that, that rewrite of the rule, I think, is going to be part of it. It's going to be very interesting to see what effect that has on Red Bull and Max Verstappen in particular. I will agree. Formula One returns to Montreal this Sunday and this weekend, really, for the Canadian Grand Prix. E.T., we'll have to leave it there. Thanks for joining us today, and enjoy the race. Always lots of fun to be on with you, Rick. Take care, and uh, we'll enjoy the race as well. Thanks, buddy. You got it. Eric Thomas, host of Raceline Radio, Sundays at 8 p.m. right here on 900 CHML. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening, and don't Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.